Welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast. This is episode number 90, Back to Business, recorded on June 4th, 2019. My name is Julie Fafam Balzer, and with me is my co-host, Eileen Shoebalzer. Hi, Mom. Hi, Julie. Can you believe that the last podcast we uh, recorded was in March? No. I know. It seems like a really, really long time ago. Anyway, but the good news is, uh, and we're going to talk about it today, which is I have a new, I have a, I have a new business plan going forward. So we should get a little more regular with the podcast. But before we go any further, I want to mention that you and I and Steve were headed to New York soon, because I am teaching some classes at the Inkpad, um, which is a lovely store in New York on June 22nd and 23rd. The class on the 23rd, which is a Sunday, is already sold out, but the class on the Saturday, the 22nd, still has some seats in it, and it's all about marketing mark making which i bet you're wondering what that is mom i'm wondering <laughs> uh well mark making is really at its simplest form it it's literally like any kind of doodling scratches shapes patterning anything like that but in a more sophisticated way and one of the things we'll be talking about in class is it's a way that you create a signature look in your work if you think about some very famous artists like um, basquiat for example when you see that little crown you know that it's his work you know there are particular doodles that you associate with different artists and so this is really about creating a mark making vocabulary so that you sort of have a signature work and you're really embracing you know your own kind of wonk or something like that but i'm sure there are other things we're going to do in new york that you're looking forward to way more than me teaching some classes well first we're going to the theater Mm. We're going to see Burn This, starring Adam Driver and Carrie Russell. It's gotten a lot of really good reviews and uh, a lot of Tony noms, and I just really would like to see it. And then another thing is we're doing the Peking Duck Dinner. Do you want to describe the Peking Duck Dinner? So I love Peking Duck. I've always loved Peking Duck. And I will I will eat Peking Duck in a truck. I will eat Peking Duck <laughs> with lots of luck. Whatever it is, I will eat Peking Duck. But there's this particular restaurant in New York called Decoy, which I love. It's a tiny little restaurant. There's one table, um, which is like a long farm table that seats lots of people. That's and you should get stuck on the inside and then I have know. to get up to go to the bathroom or something because everybody true. else has to get up. But it is, hands down, the best Peking duck. But the dinner is not just duck. It also includes, like, um, all kinds of different vegetables and other dishes. And the appetizers are already always amazing. And they have this thing that sounds so weird and disgusting that you're like, there's no way I'm going to eat this. Which is they give you uh, these fish skin chips. Now, before you barf in your mouth, which is what I did the first time that somebody announced what it was, they're unbelievably good, like unbelievable. So I I love restaurants that change your mind about food because you think, oh, I'm not going to eat that. And then it turns out, yes, you are, and you're going to ask for more. So one of my favorite restaurants ever of all time, so I'm glad we're going. And I think we have a lot of museum visits planned. Absolutely. And also, I think you're going to teach these two classes on the weekend, but Gives us a couple of days beforehand. Yeah, to get around, see some things, get a little bit of inspiration. I always find my favorite part about visiting New York is that it's like all the best parts of when I live there. See friends, eat food, go to museums, see art, galleries, whatever it is. I always enjoy it. 
And then you get to leave just as you're starting to get <laughs> sick of get it. get to leave, exactly. Um, but the, what, what, the sort of our topic today that we're talking about is, uh, I think it's actually kind of related in a funny way. So follow me here. And this is unfortunately a dive into the way that my brain works. So welcome to the twists, turns, and cobwebs of Julie's brain, um, which is... You know, I was saying that I love going to New York because it's like a blast of all the best stuff. And so one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is about sort of burnout and the daily grind of life. And like, wouldn't it be nice if you could sort of only do the best parts and blah, 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 and all this kind of stuff. And it's led me to thinking a lot about restructuring my business. I have this huge move coming up. The renovation is taking up a lot more um mental creative space, I guess is the best way to put it, along with time, energy, and money um, than I sort of ever imagined that it would. And everything I thought would be fun is now like a huge drag to me, which makes me sound like the worst person. But it's just, it's it, it's sort of a relentless, never-ending thing. And so it led me to this idea that like, I need to work smarter, not harder. I am by nature a complete workaholic. I think you can attest to that one, mom. I think it runs in the family. When you're, when we're focused on something, we just can't stop. But we also focus on more than one thing at a time, which leads to scattering and the feeling of being out of control. Yeah. And so I just have had this nagging idea that A, I'm going to burn out. B, I'm running out of time to get everything done that I want to get done. And C, even fun trips like this New York trip are like an interruption to my work schedule, you know, which is not the attitude I think you should have in life. So this led to um, sort of a big thinking for me about how to reorganize um, my business. And so I've always been a person who likes books and likes learning. And so I bought a bunch of books. And one of the books that I bought completely blew my mind and has like 100% transformed the way I think of my business. So I just wanted to talk about that first. So it's called Building a Story Brand. And it's by this uh, man named Donald Miller who I know nothing about. I will get the one big negative about the book out of the way, which is I would say the book is basically a marketing plan for him to get you to pay for the classes that he teaches and like the program that he runs online and blah, 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 blah. That said, it's not like he has, he holds back any secrets. Like I feel in any way, I feel like if you want to take the classes, it's because you like the book so much and you want to like to dive deeper or like one-on-one -on -one or have some more experience or something like that. Um, but you definitely feel like you're being sold the whole time you're reading it. You know what I mean? But I liked this book so much. I took eight handwritten pages of notes. And I can't remember the last time. I mean, maybe when I was in college. I was going to say, probably right? that is the last time. That I read a book and took notes like that. But I felt like for almost from the moment that I opened it, I was like, oh my gosh, this information is so amazing and it's going to change my life. And so I want to tell you sort of like the overall idea of it because I think it's really interesting. And actually, I think there are a lot of different ways in which this can be applied, not just to like having a business, but also to like the art you make and all sorts of stuff like that. So um, the first thing is the reason it's called Story Brand. So as you may or may not know, my background is I ran a theater company 
for many years and I have been involved with um, theater for a long time both as a director and as a dramaturg. Now if you've never you know met a dramaturg what dramaturgs basically do is they work with playwrights um, well there's two kinds of dramaturgy one is where you work with a living playwright to help them with the story and to really help them um, write their play hone it all that kind of stuff another kind of dramaturgy is when like you're working on Shakespeare and you do a lot of the research into the historical information to give the actors you know more of a sense of like this would have been normal behavior this is abnormal this is this is a really rude thing to say this you know stuff that they might not know just because it's historically out of reach so to speak um so all of that is to say storytelling has always been a big part of my life and the way that i view the world you know, when I was in my 20s and I worked for my father, I actually taught a course with him where my section of the course was storytelling. And I taught these executives how to structure a good story. Because the idea is that people relate more to a story than they do to like a list of facts. So if you tell like a personal anecdote, people view things differently um, than if you just sort of list off facts. And I think we see that all the time in news. We see that all the time in, you know, any sort of first person account. We just, we love stories. It's the power of the moth and all that kind of stuff. So this, the concept behind story brand is that you should view your brand and your marketing plan in the same structure that a basic story has. So here's, here, according to the author, is the basic structure of a story which is there is a character, there's the hero, right? And the character has a problem. The problem could be internal, you know, I'm not confident, I, I, if I only had a brain, like whatever it is, it could be external, there's a war coming, my parents are getting divorced, whatever it is, or, or there's a philosophical problem, you know, and that's like the world is against you or there's some kind of, you know, uh, uncomfortability with, the way that things have turned out for you, et cetera, et cetera. So the hero has this problem and then they meet a guide, okay? And the guide provides a plan to the hero, okay? Some kind of plan. And then the hero doesn't just like take the plan and be like, oh yes, I'm off. What has to happen is there has to be some kind of call to action. So that could be, you know, Luke Skywalker, um, his, uh, his aunt and uncle who he lives with are killed, right? That's his problem. He meets Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, Obi-Wan Kenobi, like, gives him a plan, become a Jedi, but he isn't actually called to action, right? Until, um, one could argue Princess Leia shows up in R2-D2, or, you, you, anyway, plenty of ways. Like, we could talk about Star Wars all day. Let's move on. So the story ends one of two ways, which is either it ends in success, meaning the hero vanquishes, right, whatever their problem is, or the hero um, is helped to avoid failure. And helping somebody to avoid failure is almost as important as helping them towards success. You can kind of see them as the same, same thing. So if those are the parts here's the part that blew my mind because I'm not going to argue. I mean, I think that's a fair breakdown of what a story is, which is you are not the hero of the story. Your business is not the hero of the story. The customer is the hero. You, my friends, are the guide. 
you are the Obi-Wan Kenobi. So the example that I thought of was like, okay, I watch a commercial for Coke. It's not like Coke is the hero of the commercial. The people who are having so much fun dancing while they're drinking Coke, they're the heroes, i.e. the customer. The Coke just happens to be there helping the good time happen, right? Um, and I think there are a lot of good examples about that, about that when I really started to think about it, about big companies that understand this, that make their customer the hero. And lately I've started watching, I mean, we all DVR stuff, so it's so easy to get rid of the commercials, which I love. But lately I've started to watch some commercials and I find it fascinating. I, I watched a mower commercial the other day. By the way, that's a sentence I never thought I would say in my whole life. Lawnmower. Right? right, yeah. I watched a lawnmower commercial and it was so clear that they were saying that if you bought this lawnmower, your life would be an endless series of rolling in the grass with puppies and children, having amazing backyard barbecues. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, walking lovingly barefoot with your handsome, you know, or gorgeous, depending if you're the boy or the girl or whatever, somebody. Like it, it was so much about lifestyle. And so like there was a little bit about a mower in there. So I was like, wow, this is a great example of what people are interested in is not what you do. And this is a big part of the book. They're interested in the problem that you are going to solve for them. So if their problem is they just can't roll on their lawn with puppies and children, how great that they can buy a lawnmower that will allow them to do this, you know, or whatever it is. I'm unhappy, but if I buy a lawnmower, clearly I'll be happy. So I think there's, it's such an interesting idea. And the book is kind of brutal in a couple places, which I love, where it basically says like, no one cares about what you do. No one cares about the journey you've had to take to get there. No one cares. What they care about is themselves and how you're going to solve their problem. And so after I read this book, which is more complicated than that, I'm obviously simplifying it, um, simplifying it, <laughs> simplifying it enormously, uh, enormously, which is uh, after I read this, I like changed my entire website and I changed the way that I was thinking about even like my Instagram and stuff because I was like, you know what? Again, it's like no one cares that this is a picture of me doing X, Y, or Z. Um, but they can potentially be interested in it because it makes them feel a certain way about their lives or because it makes them, you know, um, have an idea of like what to wear if you're plus size like me or because it, so you have to give people something that solves their problem. And I've often asked myself like, you know, what is the reason besides the fact that my mother is hilarious and charming and all that kind of stuff that so many people comment on how much they love you, mom, on the podcast, I pay. Well, I mean, you pay well. But what I was going to say is I think in the end, what you do so often is you get to the heart of the matter and help people solve their problem. So like I can talk for an hour, which I do, or we can talk to a guest for an hour and you always come in with an insightful comment or something that does exactly that. It's in a moment of elucidation. It's your Yoda moment. I mean, Yoda is another guide, right? That you meet on the way. Someone who helps you in your journey, helps you realize something. And so I just, it's such a simple idea and it doesn't sound revolutionary, but I think partially because my business is not Coca-Cola and my business is not like a physical product, I have sort of always thought of like myself as the hero of the story that I'm telling people. 
And I was like, oh no, you're so wrong. You're the guide. And it's the people that you're helping. It's the customers who are the hero. So that was really interesting. And sort of secondarily interesting to that was I realized that the business I want to have and the business that I do have are two different things. Aha! I know. And and it's kind of, I mean, in a very, in a very sort of abstract way, in some ways, it's kind of like I've often I've often said and I think it's important to like embrace the body that you have you know and like you know don't buy a size two dress if you're a size eight and then look at the size two dress and sigh and kick yourself in the butt every time because you won't fit in it right right it's like buy the size eight dress that that makes you look and feel great that's fantastic like embrace where you are right now and it's the same with like don't hate your painting because you're doing the best that you can and it's just not the idea in your head like let go of that idea in your head and embrace sort of where you are right now and I think I had to give myself that kind of like come to Jesus conversation about my business which is I have a fantastic business I love my business I love my job and I think I spend a lot of time bemoaning the fact that I don't have this other business where like I sell hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of art. You know, the second I list it on my website, it just gets like snatched up that I'm, you know what I mean? That's just not the business that I have. I have a business that's really about helping people make art, helping people find themselves, inspiring people with their own creativity rather than, and you know, occasionally I sell pieces of my own work. Um, And I was like, okay, instead of, Instead of trying to, I was like, I need to make, I need to make a choice, which is either I I decide that I want to have a business where what I primarily do is just sell art to people. And that's what they, that's what they get from me is that the piece of art that they buy from me, like makes their life happier or makes their home happier or, you know, makes their children all come home and spend Friday night dinner with them, whatever the ad is there. You know what I mean? Um, Or I need to embrace the business that I do have, which is fantastic, which is helping other people find their creativity. And I was like, but I can't do both at the same time. It's too confusing to people, you know? And so I was like, okay, I'm going to go towards uh, what I know works and what I know uh, I've been doing for, how long have I been in business? 10 years, something like that. So that was kind of a big, like, emotional decision because I wouldn't say I'm letting go of the idea that my business could segue at some point. I think it was more about saying like, where am I right now? And what can I do to make that the strongest possible thing? Because one of the things that the book does talk about at the beginning is they talk about the difference between surviving and thriving. And I mean, I think that's pretty obvious, right? Surviving is you're just sort of keeping your head above water. The business hasn't folded thriving is your kicking butt and let me tell you I would always rather kick some butt so that is my goal balls designs kicking butt but if you visit the home page of my website ballserdesigns.com you will see that I've completely redrafted it and reshaped it to reflect what the business actually is and basically you know, the ideas of like, this is what I offer to you. This is what you as the customer, as the hero of the story are going to get out of, you know, my, um, out, out of my business. So I think that's awesome. Um, 
do you have anything to say about this whole story brand thing? I'm kind of been monologuing about it. Sorry, I think it's interesting. I think that the idea that the customer is the hero is good. I would. It reminds me of something I heard the other day. I was watching an old Shark Tank on TV. You know where people come and um, pitch their entrepreneurial ideas, hoping to get an investment. And someone on the show told the people who were pitching that uh, you don't. The customers don't come to you. You have to be online going to them. And I think that's, again, changing the focus. It's not about you. It's about them. Yeah. I think that that's huge. Some, I, somebody else once said, and it always stuck in my head, you don't have fans. Nobody's reading your Instagram or blog or whatever because they're just a fan of yours. You know, I mean, maybe there's like four people. I'm going to guess my mother. Yeah, I was going to say. I'm <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> um, but most of the time, people are reading what you're putting out or following you because you make them feel a certain way. You give them something. They're getting something from you. Maybe you make them feel more creative or you make them feel restful or even you make them feel angry. I still remember when they showed that people who hate Howard Stern listen to him twice as long as people who liked Howard Stern. So it's just sort of an interesting idea, which is I think we obviously are in a time of like selfies and staring at yourself and thinking about yourself and blah, 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 all that stuff. And in the end, no one cares about you. You know what I mean? They care about themselves. They care about how you make them feel. So I think that's a fascinating idea. I will also say having read, I remember I said I bought a couple books, having bought a couple other books about like marketing and business and stuff like that. I can say one of the things I like about StoryBrand is that it doesn't talk about these ideas in highly abstract terms. So the author could get in trouble because he's very concrete about, you know, this is this, this is that, you know. But unlike some of the other books that I've been reading that are very, very abstract about it and it's sort of like, well, interpret as you want, it feels like a, like a plan, something you can follow step by step. So speaking of plans... Yes, let's hear about some of the steps. Um, what I wanted to say is so sort of in the middle of this whole reorg business, thinking about how I work, not, trying hard not to burn out because, you know, being creative every single day, delivering creative content every single day across multiple platforms is exhausting, right? Well, and also because you work out of your house, you never escape it. There's always more you could do. There, You can always go back to the computer or the art table or the sewing machine. So if you don't set limits, no one's going to. So because of all that, I, I listened to, I started reading about this thing, actually, I should say, called batching. Um, and and batching it comes from the idea of batch processing which if you've ever done anything like photo editing on a computer and stuff there's often an option that says like batch process and it's the idea of like i want to apply the same filter to 40 photos so instead of individually having to do it i'm going to batch process all of these and i can push one button and apply the same filter to every single one of the photos right so it's not exactly the same idea but batching um is kind of, well, meal prep's a great example of it, right? We've all heard of meal prep where you spend one night 
you make your entirety of your meals for the week. Some people even longer out in that, you know, but it's like you just, you do it all, you focus on it intensely all at once so that you don't have to deal with it for the rest of the time. So the idea of batching when you're working is that each of our businesses, um, and even if you don't have a business, I mean, mom, you said when I was little, a baby, like you sort of batched your errands. So you knew like Thursdays right. were the Thursday supermarket. Thursday is for the supermarket and I keep a running list and then I wouldn't have to run out of anything and I would only have to go once, push my way through, carry you in a snuggly on my chest and uh, emerge with this gigantic carriage full of food. But it was only once a week and then I was stocked up. And you said you ran into other people who you knew from the rest of your life who also always shopped on Thursday at that same time because that, for them, made their lives work. Right. So, thinking about that, I think that many people batch without realizing it, right? There are certain days that you do certain things. And or so, there are certain areas you go to, and when you're going there, you say, okay, I'll go to the bakery, I'll go to the drugstore, I'll go to this, that, and the other, which is in that area, and take care of all those errands at once. Yes. So what I did is I was like, I want to try this whole batching thing with my life and with my business, and I listened to a fantastic podcast on batching by Jenna Kushner, um, who hosts the, I think it's called The Goal Digger podcast um and i listened to what she had to say about how batching had changed her life now one of the reasons she turned to batching is because she's a new mother um and she found that it was unsustainable after having a child to work the way she had been working so i thought and she talked about how much more she got done in the same amount of time and i thought wow that sounds fantastic and a great way to avoid burnout. So the basically the basic conceit here is that you divide your uh, you divide up your tasks. You say like, what are the regular tasks that I do? So for example, this podcast, my blog, um, social posts, the work I do for brother, you know, YouTube videos, whatever it is, you just divide it in. So I wrote a list. I do like my bullet journal and I do like lists. <laughs> So I wrote a long list and I came up with, I think, 13 different categories of sort of regular work that I have to do to keep my business going. And in those 13 categories, one of the things was um, personal development, meaning classes, time to experiment, like whatever it is. And one of the other things was um, a day off, which I never take a day off. <laughs> And I'm not sure that I will take a day off, but I'm trying to pretend that I'm going to take a day off um, one day a At week. At least acknowledging it as something that you should do is already a new step forward. It is. I often find it funny when people say to me, like, how do you get so much done? And the answer is I work relentlessly and endlessly. And that's the honest answer. And I'm, I'm hoping that batching is going to help me be able to say, oh, I do this thing called batching. It's fantastic. You should try it. That would be a way better answer to the question, right? And I noticed that one of the things you didn't mention, <laughs> yeah. in your, but which is in your list, is one of the things you most dislike, and that is invoicing, billing, filing, dealing with uh, bookkeeping, stuff like that. And that's yes. one of the things that you don't like to do, and therefore off, you always kind of put it off, and you do a little bit when something becomes desperately 
necessary. Yeah. So I wrote actually one of my 13 categories is business so that there is business. And my goal basically is to ramp up to the point where this is found hilarious. I would like to get my life down to a 40 hour work week, which would basically be eight hours a day on one of these topics. Right. Um, and that's theoretically five days a week. So I guess I'm saying I'd like to work a 48 hour week because I'm saying it's really six days a week. But anyway, regardless, the point is I'd like to work less than I work now. Um, but so what I did is then I took those various areas and I figured out that I need to work on a two week rotating schedule. And each day of the two weeks is assigned to a particular category. So for example, for podcast, okay, podcast day. So podcast day could be um, brainstorming guests to have and topics that I want to do. Then as far as guests, it could be about contacting, you know, a list of 25 people to see if any of them are interested. For topics, it could be writing an outline of how that topic might be, things to incorporate or ideas to talk about in terms of that topic. Then you know, in terms of scheduling and contacting the guests, like one of the things that Jenna Kushner suggests on her podcast is, you know, why not record eight podcasts in one day instead of doing it on eight different days where each time you have to go through the process of, you know, setting up the mic, setting up the recording studio, um, editing the podcast, sending out the information to the guest about when it's going to be on, writing the post about the podcast, blah, blah, blah. If you batch it, so you record all eight on one day, then the next time that the podcast thing comes around, you edit all of them and you write all the, you know, parts about them. And the next time the podcast day comes around, you, you know, get the post ready and contact all the guests with all the promo info, et cetera, that they need, blah, blah, blah. But the idea is that instead of doing each task individually over time, it's the same as like, you know, batch processing your dinner. Instead of having to make dinner every single night, what you do is you just get the pot dirty, make a really big batch, make it all at once, and theoretically that will make it easier. So... I have not been batching for long, but I thought I would talk a little bit about how it's been going so far, and maybe we'll check in on it again in like a month or two. And what I would say is, so far, um, and I haven't ramped up, I think, to being able to exclusively dedicate a day each day to just one thing, because, um, you know, I'm not far enough ahead on my blogs to not have to do any blog work until blog day comes. I'm not far enough ahead on my, you know, business to not have to do any invoicing until the day that I get there. So I'm doing sort of like half and half. Like I'm trying to dedicate four to five hours each day to the one batch idea and then the rest of the time do the rest of the stuff that I need to do, etc. But where I am right now is I can tell you It has already, A, made me feel less stressed out because I've gotten stuff done now sooner than I normally would have, right? Because instead of working in a triage system where I'm like, oh my God, that's due tomorrow. I have to do it now. I'm like, oh, I need this by the end of the month, but it's my day to work on brother stuff. So let me, you know, let me work on these videos today, which is great. Um, I also think that I've had some projects that have been in my mind for a long time, but because again, I always work in a triage system, um, I never get to them because it's like, it's not an emergency. It's not bleeding, but because I'm batching, it's been like, well, today's my day, you know, to deal with blog posts. So 
I can, I can do any of these ideas that have been in my mind for a long time and let's just do them now because I, I, that's what I have to do today. And I think the most exciting thing has been the personal development day because I so rarely give myself permission to just go and muck around, to just, you know, have a weird idea and do it. Because again, I'm always so worried about, you know, I'm a freelancer if I, and, uh, and I'm the breadwinner in our house. And if I don't work, then we don't have money. Then will there be groceries on our table? Will there be a, you know, roof over the new house? Will there be, will there be? And I, you know, I worry about all that stuff. But so knowing that personal development is part of my business plan, and also thinking about the fact that like lawyers have to take CLEs, doctors have to take classes, teachers have to take personal development. Like we all understand that that is an important part of being good at your job and somehow giving myself permission and saying, yes, you can spend all day just playing. I think that's exciting and fantastic. And I'm really excited about that. So we'll see if I can take a day off. I haven't yet, but it's early. <laughs> <laughs> And so maybe I will be able to do that. Um, but yeah, so that's sort of the whole batching idea. What do you think, Mom? I think it's doable. And I think at some point you will get ahead of things. And so you won't have these little fragments uh, pulling you backward. The other thing is, of course, I think there is room in the batching s schedule that you've set up. So if something unexpected happens, you can do it. I do think that you have recognize that in order to do this stuff efficiently, you may have to cut some things out or down that you normally do. You know, yes. you have to cut back on social life or on watching TV or on whatever in order to, you have to decide which is more important to you and then go forth. Well, I also think like I understand that there has to be a certain amount of flexibility in the batching, not just because I... Um, things come up and I have fragments and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, A, emergency projects do come up, but B, I travel. So, right. you know, if I'm gone for five days, what happens to those days of bashing? A lot of that work is very difficult to do remotely, you know? And mm -hmm. so I think there is has to be a certain amount of wiggle room. So that's why I think I'm sort of, I'm, I kind of think of it like the bullet journal thing. So if you haven't ever heard me wax poetic about my bullet journal, let me briefly. And if you have already, welcome back. Uh, so <laughs> I love bullet journaling. It has kept me more organized than I have ever been and more productive. And, and part of that is because I've always been a list writer and this allows me to have all my lists in one place. It also, because I, I work on a time ladder system, it allows me to see my time and to know where time is available to me. Don't so, you have a blog post that people can go to about bullet journaling? I, I think if they if they put bullet journal in the search bar. Yeah, you can read all about it. And I think, and you can see some visuals too from the journal, which helps. Um, but what I was going to say is, so I think uh, bullet journaling is a system that has existed for a while and a lot of people do beautiful things in it and blah, blah. And what I did over time is I found a way that the bullet journal works for me. It's not the way that it was either intended to do or like that's you're supposed to do or blah, 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 but it is a way that it 100% works for me. So I feel the same way about batching, 
which is I have now listened to that Jenna Kushner podcast. I've read a bunch of articles. I've read some blog posts, people's different personal experiences with batching. And what I think the next like month or two are going to be is a shakedown where I try to figure out how batching is going to work for me with my business, with my travel schedule, with like the emergency last minute projects that come up with, you know, life as it is, yada, yada, yada. And I think that process of figuring out how to make something work for you that is actually the key also to so much artistic success and the example I would give is okay I'm teaching these classes in New York we talked about that at the beginning I think when people come to class their impulse is to want to create the way that I create they're there because they saw something that I did and they want to do something that's like that right but the magic The learning of true learning comes when they take everything from the class home with them and then work through in their own way how to make my ideas and my techniques work for them so that it becomes their ideas and their techniques, right? And I think the same thing is even if you don't take a class, if you watch a video, if you see a piece of art in a museum or in a gallery or online or whatever it is, the the moment that you are able to take it and not just copy but process it through yourself and output something that is authentic to you that's the moment when it really becomes your art because for me it's not about the physical act of like did you paint the paintbrush on the canvas to make this painting in the paint party that looks identical to everyone else's paint party like yes I know you painted that but I think, and it could be controversial, but I think like art is the moment when it really comes through you, through your brain, through your ideas, you know, through things that, you know, make sense to you, all that kind of stuff. And it's that processing and that distancing from the original um, that really means that it's yours and also that you can take it with you so that in five years, you're not thinking about like, what was that thing that Julie said in class or What was that technique that Van Gogh used, whatever, you're thinking more about like, you you don't have to think about it. You're on autopilot physically with the technique and then mentally it's just sort of how you want to use it, how it's informing what you're doing. And I feel the same way about this batching idea, which is I'm going to take sort of a very structured idea and then figure out how to filter it through my life so that it works for me and then it'll really be mine. And could I tell people about how it works for me? 100% and I'm sure I will. But I don't, I think it's less of a roadmap and more of a, uh, aphorism is the wrong word, more of a story, more of a, you know, it's. Well, you know what it is. It's like, let's say I decide I want to exercise more. So instead of taking some prefabricated exercise routine that works for somebody else, but I will not stick with it because it doesn't resonate for me. It's too hard to make myself do it. I might look for ways to exercise, fit exercise into the life I have in a way that achieves my goals, but maybe not in the way that this system suggested. I mean, same thing with diets. I mean, I think one reason a lot of times people go off, they decide they want to go on a particular diet, not just weight loss, but all kinds of diets. And then it's too restrictive 
And there has to be some room. In, all right, I want bacon. Uh, uh, today I'm going to have bacon, you know. Uh, or I don't like this food, but I, I like that food. So I'm going to have that instead. I just think what you're describing is you're going to try this batching idea but it may be you'll discover certain things take longer or less time than you think. Right. Or, certain things can be combined into a day. Certain things need to be stretched right. out. It's also possible that, like, you know, I've separated out, for instance, like do, working on blog posts and doing YouTube videos. But it may be, in fact, that doing YouTube videos is part of blog posts and that they need to get mashed together into a single day you know or it's like maybe i'll discover well if i already have the camera and the lighting and the equipment set up i want to do everything that has to do with video i mean i've heard some people say instead of batching um by days of the week they do batching in cycles so they do like four days of blog toasts four days of business two days of podcast three days of so you know what i mean because uh -huh. again it's like who knows what the cycle is that's going to work for you and your life and then you have to allow for things like someday you're going to move into this house that you're renovating. I don't think you're going to you, be able to. Do you think I'm definitely going to be able to move into that house someday? I think the day will come. <laughs> I hope so. And and you're not going to necessarily be able to keep to the preset batches. Right. Because you'll be a little bit busy just trying to figure out where the blender is. Agreed. Agreed. I mean, I think there's just a lot of stuff like that. So I'm trying to kind of study it as I do it be aware of it as I do it but not get like oddly self-conscious about it do you know what I mean so that I start overthinking it but I'm hoping that this is a system that will work for me just like I think the story brand thing works for me right now and is making me think about my business in a different way but who knows in like five years I may be like you know what that was a whole bunch of malarkey and I have a different idea or my business has changed so the story has changed so I have to change whatever it is I think I think there's so much about being flexible. And if we bring it back to art again, I think there are people who are satisfied their whole lives making one kind of art. And that's great. You know, I paint dogs and I paint them in the same style and this is how I like them. Or I do landscapes and they always look like this and that's fine. For me, I think that would make me insane. I'm always interested in what's new. I'm always interested in trying something that's hard. I'm always interested in pushing towards something I don't know how to do. Um, and so I think change is a really inevitable part of me, the way I view the world, the stuff I want to do, what makes me happy, the kind of stuff I make, and even the way that I look at my business. So I kind of think of it as, you know, I have a one-year plan. I have a five-year plan. I have a 20-year plan. I would be shocked if I actually lined up with any of those things because I try to leave the flexibility for stuff to change because if you asked me 10 years ago if what my life would look like it's not even close to what it is now I think even if you asked me five years ago I would have given you a different you know story so I think it's about like having goals but being flexible that's my work here is done <laughs> there you go good job mom good job thank you um so I think you know just to sort of wrap up the topic because you know we said to that today was really about back to business and this has been talking a lot about my business in particular but some things to kind of extrapolate out which is even if you don't have an art business even if you are just like living your life I think 
the question is, you know, A, from a business point of view, whatever your business is, are there repetitive tasks that you do every way, every day that you can somehow batch? And in your regular life, you know, are there repetitive tasks again that you can batch in some way to make your life easier and free up more time? And as far as the story brand thing is concerned, you know, I think that's interesting, A, because I think being an educated consumer, you will look at ads differently. You will look at, you know, marketing and stuff that materials, et cetera, that you get differently. But also just thinking about even if you go to a dinner party, you know, and people always say like, oh, people like it so much more when you ask them questions about themselves. People always want to talk about themselves. Remembering that like, you know, when you meet people, even in a social situation, they everybody you meet wants to be the hero of their own story and they want you to be the guide so it's like you know listening to what people have to say and you know et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and not always needing to be like the center of attention or something like that i don't know um we're probably getting deeper than i ought to go given that i have no degree in any kind of therapy i don't think a theater degree is the same although somebody once said to me theater theology therapy it's all the same thing who knows mm. It's interesting, especially if you think about the roots of theater in religion. And you also think about how people say like a lot of playwrights should study psychiatry or psychology and that, you know, directors should too, because it's all about like what, how do people behave and, you know, aping all that stuff. So theater, therapy, theology, plus a little bit of art in there too, I guess. Um, so mom, any, any words of wisdom to guide us on our journey? No. And in fact, you know how occasionally we joke and you call me Yoda, but in fact, your brother wrote me the other day and addressed me as Padawan, which is a young apprentice who has a lot to learn. Right. So I feel either I've been demoted or at least I've been moved over to a different category. So I no longer have any wisdom to impart because now I'm a Padawan. Well, you know, I think in life we, we all go through the cycle, don't we, of Padawan to Jedi and back again, it's like the more I know about stuff, the more I realize that I don't know anything. And that there's so much, so many more things to learn about, which is yeah. the great news. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the exciting thing, which is I feel like whenever people say they're bored, I'm always like, how can you be bored? There's so much. There's so much in the world to learn, to know, to, you know, find out. Anyway, that's probably a good discussion for a whole other day. So I will just wrap up by saying, um, once again, the book, if you're interested, is called Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller. And uh, it's batching or batch processing. And I listened to a great podcast by Jenna Kutchner, who is the Goal Digger, G-O-A-L. And... Um, as always, you can find me at ballsresigns.typepad.com. Do leave us your comments or questions at ballsresigns.com backslash arting. We'd love to hear from you. And if you tweet about the show, please use the hashtag artingpodcast. That's all one word, A-R-T-I-N-G-P-O-D-C-S-T. And if you'd like to help the show, you can leave a review on iTunes because that helps other people find us. Those, so thank you so much for listening and subscribing. And we'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast. Mm -hmm.